0: Even as countries debate moving voting online, Estonia has moved nearly all government services digitally. So you can even be a digital citizen without living there, which boggles my mind. So what's been the impact of this digital transformation? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me to discuss this is CNET's senior European correspondent, Katie Collins. Welcome, Katie.
1: Hi, Roger. Thanks for having me.
0: So talk about what Estonia has done in terms of its digital transformation. Like, How pervasive is it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's pretty all-encompassing, to be honest. Um, you know, this is a really tiny country in Eastern Europe, the former Soviet bloc. Um, and when it gained independence in the early 90s, uh, it decided, because it, it didn't really have anything to, to go on at that point, it didn't have any existing infrastructure um, because of just, you know, the fact that the Soviets took everything with them when they left. So, um they have, they decided really early on to go digital um, when it came to providing all kinds of digital um, government services. Um, And, you know, what they've done is that they've given every single person in the country a digital ID um, and this, and it works with one login. So no matter what Government services, uh, you you want to offer, so you want to access. Um, you just need to use that one ID to sign in, and um, you know you only need need to ever input your information once. Um, so it just means that everything that they need is online. It's in one place, and um, yeah, I think something like ninety eight percent of people in Estonia have this digital ID um and uh, i'm not sure what the other two percent are doing i don't think it's actually a legal requirement there to have one so you know but there are always a few wild cards right um <laughs> but apart from that everyone else has signed up to this uh, program
0: yeah you and your story talks about an estonian it actually leads with a story of an estonian journalist who casted his vote on his laptop miles away from any polling station i mean that That for me is like, it's even hard to wrap my mind around, especially given like the debates we have here about, you know, online voting, voting machines in general. Like this person is just doing it from his laptop. Like, can you talk about about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, here in the UK, you know, it's a similar thing. There is no other way to vote other than, you know, going to a polling station, usually given our weather here, usually lining up in the rain um, for sometimes for a really, really long time on polling day. And, you know, that's pretty much the only way to vote unless um, for some reason you have a postal vote or... um, you know, but there are no digital digital options. We, like many countries, are, are still discussing whether this is even a good idea. But in fact, um, Estonia has been doing it for a really long time now. They've been doing it since 2005. Um And I think over that time, you know, they have, um, I think it started with a smaller number of citizens, you know, they tested it out uh, and it worked really well. Um, And it was all tied to this digital ID. So there was no voter fraud. Um, And then they decided that they would gradually, you know, open it out to more and more and more people. And now around 50% of the country takes this option Um, because you can still go and vote at a polling station if you want. Um, but you know, the, the way that it works is, um, I think up, you know, up until the poll, up until polling day, until the polls close, you can cast your vote online. And even if you change your mind afterwards, you can vote again and that vote will cancel out your original vote. And then even if on the day you decide, oh, I want to vote again and you want to go to a polling station, that because it's all tied to an ID, um, that vote that you cast at the polling station will also override all of the digital votes that you've done before. So you actually also have the option to change your mind, which, you know, is something that um, I'm not used to. But, you know, they've they've rolled this out and, you know, they haven't had any issues with voter fraud. Um, and it seems to have a really high level of um, trust across Estonia. And it seems to be working really well for them, which is interesting given that we're still debating whether it's a good idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and beyond voting, like, given the, sort of the, the breadth of services that are online that you access via this digital ID... Uh, Talk a little bit about some of the benefits that both the government and its citizens have seen from this transformation.
1: Mm, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is definitely a thing that benefits Estonia, you know, as a country and also benefits the individual. So, you know, from the perspective of a citizen um, or a resident of Estonia using these services, it just means that you can save an immense amount of time and, um, you know, standing and queuing up and going to speak to people in person when dealing with all of the life admin that you had to do. I mean, several people who, uh, who I spoke to for this story told me that in their entire lifetimes, they'd spent less than 15 minutes filing their taxes.
0: Um, (laughs) (laughs) Considering we're dealing with our, our tax deadlines coming up, uh, in about a week or so. And I know a lot of people, including myself, are rushing to get this stuff done. And it, it burns a lot of time. 15 minutes is just enough time to print out the paper, basically, to get started on the process. So that 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 number you just quoted for, like, a lifetime spent on this is just, yeah, that is, yeah. is wild.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and it also means for, um, for the government itself, you know, it means that... Um, you know, I imagine that internally the bureaucracy moves a lot more smoothly, but it also saves the country a massive amount of money because, you know, like I said, this is a small country. So the amount that they are collecting in taxes, um, you know, it's going to also be proportionally smaller, but it saves the country about 2% of GDP each year they have estimated um, and with that 2 percent they can afford to have an army which you know it allows them they as uh, as several of the people i spoke to pointed out they're right on the border with russia uh, they're a member of nato so you know they need to have even though they're a really small country they need to have an army and you know it, it allows them to do that with the money that they save so yeah really really uh, benefits everyone across the board it seems
0: now if you if you bring up this idea of moving, you know, more information this idea of a digital ID and having that access to services elsewhere particularly here in the US, you know, there's a, a immediate sense of distrust or criticism. I'm curious how Estonia dealt with that at least early on. When you know, if they're announcing that everything's going digital, was there kind of a little bit of skepticism? Like, is that is that safe? Because I mean, I know if this was an idea that was floated to my parents, they would probably be against it because they they'd worry about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, the the fact that this has been slowly, slowly building up from the early nineties it probably has a lot to do with it because, you know, I think that that level of distrust and the, you know, the, the skepticism we have a bit about tech these days comes from our experiences perhaps over the last 10 years or so. But, you know, it's, uh, and it's grown over the last 10 years, I think, a lot. Um, whereas this has been around for so long and you know they've built up the ser- the services really slowly so they you know they start with some uh simple government services and then you know add more and add more so they didn't go straight in to gov- to offering online voting for example um they they, they took their time to to show how it worked with an essential set with essential services that really made a difference to people's lives showed them the benefits of that and then slowly built it up from there. Um, and I was, I was actually, I found it remarkable when I was speaking to, uh, citizens and residents of Estonia, you know, they, it just didn't even occur to them that there would be an issue with this. Um, and I think it also really helps that the whole system is built, it's built in a decentralized way. So there isn't a centralized, um, you know, data storage facility that can be hacked into and all of their information can be, um, picked off that way. It's, it's built in a decentralized way using blockchain, which means that it's much more secure. Uh, there's accountability. You can see who's accessing data. Um, you know, the, the data isn't all stored together in one place. Um, so, um, it helps that they have built a, you know, if you, if you speak to people in security, they'll, they'll always say, you know, there's, there's no such thing as an unhackable system, but, You know, if you choose a decentralized model, it is a lot safer and it is a lot more secure. And as a result, they haven't really had any problems with this. So, you know, I think that showing them that it's not going to be that they can trust the system, that it's not going to be misused uh, has really helped.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah. Another aspect that, that I saw in your story, which I thought was fascinating, was the sort of level of transparency. The fact that like you as the owner of your personal data can actually see who has or hasn't access that data, right? Talk a little bit about that
1: yeah so um if you kind of log on to the central government po- portal you're presented with a kind of like a bank statement um that shows you every time a you know a government agency or an individual person or anything like that has requested to look at any of your data um, and if you see anything that you don't recognize there or anything um that you think might be a problem or a breach or whatever you can query it um and, and ask what was this for what was it used for um and you know the, the the journalist i spoke to who you, you mentioned before he was saying he he noticed that um you know the uh, the the kind of like the driving agency um over there he had um uh had been looking at his data every single day for a while but he'd been trying to register for a driving test and um he like he basically every time he logged on it had pulled some of his data and that was but he'd queried it and found that out so it was easy for him to do that
0: Uh, The other intriguing aspect of this digital transformation is the idea that you can actually apply for a digital citizenship, even if you don't live in Estonia. So how does that work?
1: So the program itself is actually called uh, the e-residency program. Um, And it doesn't offer like a full level of citizenship. But what it does do is it offers you a kind of an option to buy into and use and take advantage of all of this brilliant digital infrastructure that Estonia's created. So um, effectively, I think what Estonia did was they were like, well, we have these amazing systems. And anytime we deal with any anyone from outside Estonia, it's a real pain. You know, like we have people who we work with who, you know, especially across the EU and outside the EU who, um, who don't who have to basically do everything twice you know you have to do what have to do it on paper and then you have to do it again digitally and they were like well how about we just open it all up um and so basically you can now become from anywhere in the world you can become an e-resident of Estonia um and it offers you a kind of a bunch of benefits like you can start a company there um you can access um all of the digital services there and um a lot of people are using this um to do things like if you're a digital nomad um for example and you're kind of one of those people who sort of wanders the world but doesn't really you know the, you need to pay taxes somewhere and you need to kind of have a home base um then you can have this sort of place in uh, sort of um a placeholder in estonia um And uh, lots of people are using it to start businesses um, that can operate within the EU. It buys you access to the EU single market, which is effectively allows you to do business with all the other European uh, countries. so uh, they yeah they've basically opened this thing up and they've now got more than 90,000 people from around the world who are e-residents as well. Um, and you know you know I think a lot of people from Ukraine, um, a lot of people actually from within the EU who've decided that it's way too complicated to use their the their systems in their home countries. <laughs> um so yeah uh, it's it it seems to be a very popular and exciting scheme
0: that is uh yeah that that is interesting and are you like do you get benefits like can you vote or are there certain sort of benefits that are locked down for only actual physical citizens or residents of the country
1: yeah. So things like voting, um, you can only do if you um, are a an actual citizen. Um, it doesn't give you voting rights. Um, you know, I do think that there are people, some people who have started business businesses, businesses in Estonia virtually and have moved there as a result. Um, but it's not, you can't automatically just kind of up and physically move there you sort of have to apply in other ways as well but um, uh, I think that you know as as soon as you kind of move to the country you can start having more and more of those benefits too like I I know that there's been a really big influx of refugees recently for example Um, and when refugees um, have arrived in the country they've had about 26,000 refugees which given that their population is only 1.3 million that's a (laughs) that's a huge amount proportionally um and as soon as a refugee arrives in a country for example they're given a digital id and from there they can just access all of the digital you know the government services they need um and you know find out about benefits and that kind of thing and um so yeah they, they it it operates on sort of different levels depending on you know where you are physically but they are increasingly trying to um make it so that it's interoperable with other systems abroad and they they want for example estonian um, um, it's, you know if you if you're a citizen or resident of Estonia to be able to go and pick up your prescription at a pharmacy elsewhere if you're out of the country because it's all tied into your digital ID and your you know your regular prescriptions and stuff
0: so yeah that yeah that's fascinating do you see other countries sort of adapting some of this stuff or or working with Estonia to make sure that digital ID is applicable elsewhere
1: mm, well so the so Estonia built its system basically. Um, it built a kind of backbone to this digital identification system called X-Road, and it borrowed bits from elsewhere when it was building it. It borrowed some technology from Finland. Um, it borrowed uh, some legal frameworks from Germany, and it built it open source. And now there are, I think, over twenty countries around the world that are beginning to use this in various different ways. You know, they they might not have built out the same level of digital services and digital governance um, yet. Um, as Estonia Um, and I think that you know there have been some uh, people who've said you know especially from bigger countries um, who've said oh well you know it's not applicable we can't just copy and paste what Estonia have done because um, you know they are a tiny country and we're a huge country and it's just different Um, and you know there is some truth to that but um, at the same time Estonia believes that what it's built is scalable um and I definitely think it's a really interesting case study uh for what sh- you know what is possible and what what should be possible you know as a citizen I would love to have this um <laughs> you know so um I definitely think that it's it's almost a bit of a challenge to other countries um to say well you know perhaps we should be offering able to offer our citizens and uh, this level of service.
0: Yep. Yeah, I, I know. Um, there, there, would likely be a lot of resistance here in the U.S. Unless you go with that, if you lead with the sales pitch, that it'll only take you. You'll spend 15 minutes for the rest of your life dealing with your taxes. I feel like you get a lot of people on board, but uh, short of that, yeah, there, That the, I, I can imagine there are a lot of hurdles in place with that. But I would love to not have to log, in, figure out 15 different logins for the various services that are provided here. So it makes a lot of sense. Katie, thank you for your time. You can check out our story and the rest of our Citizen Now series on cnet.com. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger w. Chang. And if you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.